You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of EarSports.com, the West Virginia site on the 247sports.com network. It's Baylor week. We are expediting things with a Thursday night kickoff on ESPN. As Neil Brown put it during his Monday teleconference, which is usually on Tuesday, he feels like he's a day behind because West Virginia began practice on Saturday as if it were Monday. Uh, Sunday's workout was Tuesdays and so on and so forth. With that in mind, we're going to get a head start on the podcast with our opponent's expert this time. It's Mr. Tim Watkins of Bears Illustrated. Tim, how are things? Things are good. Uh, ready for a, a fun and preferably crazy Halloween night in McLean Stadium. And I cannot tell you how excited I am that that game is not in Morgantown on Halloween because that would be <laughs> truly terrifying. Uh, what are you wearing? Are you wearing something in the press box on Thursday night? What are you wearing on Thursday Prob- night? Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Um, maybe, maybe just my uh, standard green polo. That's about All it. Right. Yeah, I, when I when the schedule came out and I saw it was on Halloween, I was like, "Oh, that'll be fun!" Uh, you know, that'd be a good atmosphere on Halloween night in Waco. And now it might be even crazier than I expected with a Baylor Bears team that is undefeated. Uh, I I don't know where to start here. I think I kind of asked you about it in our written Q and A. Was in if you predicted this season 10 times before the season started, how many times are you saying 7-0 and at this point? I think most Baylor fans expected the loss by now, either with a tough Iowa State team at home, really with their true first game after three uh, lackluster non-conference opponents, or a, a tough trip and really a house of horrors for the Bears up at Oklahoma State. To win both of those games in D7 and 0, I think truly is shocking. I had them at 6 and 1 at this point, losing at Oklahoma State uh, in really a, a not a best case scenario, but a realistic ceiling to the season, I thought was nine wins. As of now, that might be low for a realistic season. The Bears are playing great, and it's really, really heightened by a defense that has turned from a bad defense the last two years into possibly a really good one uh, that's excellent at taking away big plays. Excellent at creating havoc, uh, getting behind the line, both in the passing game and running game for tackles for loss, and, and really making things uncomfortable for, for the opposing offenses. That You use the word havoc, and I, I brought this up on our side a couple of times, the havoc rate. Uh, so I knew who coined that. I don't know if it was Bill Connolly from over at ESPN now. Uh, that's where I get that information from him. And uh, Bears, the Bears are leading the Big 12 in havoc rate on defense, uh, causing a Sack, tackle for loss, pass breakup, force fumble, or interception on nearly one in five defensive snaps. How are they? How are they getting there? What's changing on that side of the ball? And who's doing the havoc creating? Really, the last question first is James Lynch. I mean, if you don't know him, he's a junior and he's putting in an All-American type season. Uh, if I had to vote for the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, James Lynch would be number one with a bullet on my list. He's got 11 and a half tackles for loss. He's got eight and a half sacks. He's forced to fumble. He's recovered a fumble. He's been a true presence and threat in the pass rush, creating havoc, true havoc 
and getting to the quarterback constantly, either hurrying him or taking them down. Um, he's been a true star in the Bears' new three-man front, really going to that 3-3-5 defense that West Virginia fans are, are quite familiar with. Um, Lynch has been a true star in the making. He's been a very good player as freshman, especially his sophomore years. As a junior, he's just taken it to an entirely different level. Next to him is nose tackle Bravian Roy, really a true nose tackle in the sense. Um, he's 6'1", he's 335 pounds. He'd really struggled with conditioning and being able to stay on the field the first three years. Now a senior, it's hard to get him off the field. He's been truly phenomenal this year. And him, Lynch, as well as senior James Lockhart, have allowed the Bears to really lean on a three-man defensive front. That has allowed them to get another safety on the field, really improve their team speed on the back end. They're rushing three, rarely blitzing, rallying to the ball, letting Roy and Johnson, uh, or Roy and Lynch, really uh, occupy blockers. Clay Johnson, the Bears' middle linebacker who was lost in the Texas Tech game for the season, already had racked up 58 tackles and eight tackles for loss. He had been really just, and all the linebackers have just been shooting the gaps, getting into the defensive backfield at will against the opposing running backs. Last week, they took a little bit of a step back against Chuba Hubbard, which one would expect against maybe the marquee running back in the Big 12, only with a handful of tackles for loss. But against Texas Tech and against uh, Iowa State and against Kansas State, they had double-digit tackles for loss. So this isn't just them eating up and, and destroying their non-conference portion. They've been doing really, really well at disrupting the backfield, uh, even in Big 12 play. Now, Phil Snow has been there for uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, Phil Bennett has been there for three years now as – or God, I'm going back and it forth here. It Phil is snow. snow. <laughs> I, and I, now I was thinking of, of the previous one, but it, it was, uh, has he been em- employing the three, three, five defense this entire time? Cause th- that's a hot topic in Morgantown, the the three, three, five scheme. This is a brand new scheme for the bears this year. Okay. They were really in a traditional four, three uh, defense prior to this season. And really it was a four, two, five. Uh, maybe with a little bit larger of a safety, smaller linebacker in that third uh, linebacker spot. Now they've taken off that defensive end and replaced him with a true safety. Uh, so the Bears are running out three linebackers, and really one of those is Blake Lynch, which played cornerback earlier last year. Uh, he's a bigger cornerback, but he's played cornerback. He's played safety on defense. He's played quarterback. He's played running back. He's played receiver. He's been all over the field. He's really found his calling, so to speak, at the strong side linebacker position, really in that third linebacker doing some more coverage. Uh, but Baylor is really running out with three safeties out there with two cornerbacks on the outside. So this is a true 3-3-5 defense and something that Phil Snow and his staff really had never done before. I bet there's some mixed emotions uh, in Morgantown because Tony Gibson, uh, former defensive coordinator, ran, ran the 3-3-5 at West Virginia uh, with some success, but fans really kind of took it out on that scheme whenever things went wrong. But mm-hmm. now we're seeing Baylor have success with that. I feel like Iowa State has been one of the better defenses in the league over the last couple of years, and they run a, a variation of that three-three-five as well. So it's it's interesting to see that you know some places feel like it's it's the greatest thing, and others aren't as high on it, even if it actually wasn't as bad 
as they might think. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, Baylor's is, is probably more similar to Iowa State's version of that three-three-five. West Virginia would bring more pressure, bring more zone blitzes. Really, Iowa State and Baylor, to a lesser degree, they really put Aiton's coverage back and make, and make you throw underneath and really rally to the ball. Baylor's Achilles heel the last two years has been the big plays given up. I mean, they were atrocious against big plays. This year, they're one of the top 10 defenses in the nation against preventing the big plays. I mean, look at Oklahoma State, who's been just terrifying teams with big plays. Tylen Wallace didn't catch a ball, I think, over 22 yards uh, in the Baylor's victory over, over Oklahoma State a week and a half ago. Chuba Hubbard, I think his longest carry was under 30 yards. Um, they did let a, a long run go to uh, the backup running back there for 68 yards with two missed tackles. But outside of that, it was dink and dunk, rally to the football, keep him to a five or six yard gain. And that's what Baylor has done all season. Well, looking bigger picture than just this season, I think we started to see the results of what has been happening since Matt Rule came to Waco arrived uh, to a team that, that had had some issues, a depleted roster first year, one 11, then last season, just fighting their way to seven and six, get to a bowl game or six and six, got to a bowl game in one to finish seven and six. And now this year already starting seven and zero. Oh. it is the traditional quote rebuild of a program. Uh, West Virginia fans are looking for Neil Brown to do something similar, you know, depleted roster, slow start in year one, hoping for a climb. Uh, the hashtag in Morgantown is trust the climb. Did everybody trust the climb in Waco as it was, as it was beginning? It, it was really tough with opening losses to the Matt Rule era against Liberty and UTSA at home. Um, I think you could pull a hundred Baylor fans and a few of them might lie to say they were trust the process. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. Um, it, it, Baylor was 0-7 at this point of the season just two years ago, and now they're 7-0. and uh, And Matt Rule has proven this in, in both of his head coaching stops at Temple. They, they were awful in really those first, that first year. That second year, they battled to 6-6, six, to, to six and six. and then in year three and four, they were a 10-win ten ten, ten team winning the AAC. Now we're seeing the fruits of that labor in year three uh, against uh, at, at Baylor, you know, going from zero wins to six and six with a bowl victory at seven and now already matching that seven win total seven wins into the game and and really you're playing with house money at this point Baylor uh I think last year we really did start to see the fruits of the labor so to speak we started to see a better product um and and really a true identity for what Matt Rule and his staff wanted to do they've always wanted to be a defensive first team uh this year we're starting to see that a little bit and baylor still has quite a bit of speed on the outside quite a bit of talent uh at the skill positions and a pretty good quarterback and charlie brewer getting his uh, skill makers the ball during that one and 11 year i'm trying to rack my brain on on who the guys were on that team was baylor playing a lot of young guys young guys that are now you know they took their lumps then and are now major contributors and, and cornerstones of say this this year's squad that's doing so well Absolutely. Uh, Charlie Brewer started the last half of that season after a new Solomon of uh, Arizona fame uh, started the first few games before concussion ended his career. Zach Smith, uh, uh, now at uh, Tulsa, uh, started a few games and then he got hurt and then uh, the Charlie Brewer era began. 
You know, uh, John Lovett, the Bears' starting running back, was a key starter in that uh, defense. Um, guys like uh, James Lynch started the last half of that season. Blake Lynch was a key at both cornerback and wide receiver. Graylin Arnold played as a true freshman in those seasons. JT Woods. Um, you know, guys like that have really developed over the last three years. And Matt Rule's philosophy has always been in recruiting to get high upside guys that by the time they're in their fourth, fifth and or sixth season, that's when they start contributing and being the stars of your team. Now we're starting to see those third and fourth year guys with a few fifth year players as well from the prior era and prior regime really starting to step up into those roles. I mean, Clay Johnson, a senior, he was a key player for the Bears. Baylor's best players are now juniors and seniors, while the last few years they've been freshmen and sophomores. And I, I started with the defense, then I went big picture. Now I want to bring it back to the offense. I'm kind of all over the place here. But we've talked about Charlie Brewer, and he's been efficient with the ball. Uh, not a lot of turnovers. Uh, completing two-thirds of his passes, running the ball fairly well. What are they asking him to do, and, and is he kind of just fitting in that scheme? Are we Do we want to dare say the, the phrase game manager? Because I feel like he's doing more than that. Oh, absolutely. If you look at his stats and you kind of get a feel for Baylor and you just see the highlights, Charlie Brewer is a game manager. If you actually watch the film and see every play, Charlie Brewer is a star. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, bar none. He makes so many plays happen um, with his legs uh, and just keeping plays alive. Uh, there were a couple of plays against Oklahoma State. He absolutely should have been tackled. He's only 6'1". He's only about 200, 210 pounds, but he plays significantly bigger than that. He's incredibly tough running the ball around the goal line. He had a two-yard run on a, a two-yard touchdown run on third and goal where he just bullied two defensive linemen two different different defensive linemen just to power his way into the end zone, kind of flipped over both of them. Uh, he's a physical runner. He's hard to get down. He's very accurate with the ball. Um, he's really only had one game where he was inaccurate, and that was against Texas Tech where he threw all three of his interceptions. You know, he, he set a, a, a Texas high school record for passing accuracy, completing over 70% of his career at Lake Travis, which has been known to put out a few – marquee quarterbacks including baker mayfield most recently and the brewer brothers uh as well brewer cousins as well over at virginia tech texas tech etc um brewer is an exceptional quarterback one of the more underrated ones in the big 12 you know i i put him up there in the same conversation with ellinger with purdy and with jalen hurts i mean really those are there are four marquee quarterbacks in the big 12 and brewer deserves to be listed alongside them uh, alongside him in the backfield seems to be a trio, I guess, trio. Well, two of them getting more carries than the other, but trio of backs that are averaging 6.9, 6.5, and 5.8 yards per carry. What's the strategy back there? Is it, is it just a hot hand situation, or is there a rotation that's that's pretty steady? It's definitely been more of a hot hand situation. And the third of those three, Tress and Emner, has been limited by a quad injury the last few weeks. So really against Texas Tech, he played two plays, and both of them were game-saving plays, one of which 
on a, uh, a second, and I think it was 22 from the Bears' own one-yard line on the game-winning or game-tying drive. He caught a 25-yard option route right up the middle of the, of the field and then did it again later on in that same drive to put them in the field goal range. Those were the only two plays he played that entire game. Against Oklahoma State, he really didn't play at all. Uh, Matt Rule expects him to have a larger role. Uh, he just needed some time to really relax. He's actually the biggest big play threat out of that trio. He's a former high school wide receiver, actually came to camp as a wide receiver, and Baylor didn't have enough depth in the defensive backfield, so they put him at running back, and he's been very, very good. He's a true weapon out of the, defense, uh, out of the backfield in the passing game. Uh, Lovett is more of the traditional running back. He might start the game. Hasty is the most well-rounded and the by far best uh, uh, pass protector on third down. They really rotate all three of them and then find the hot hand in the second half. Hasty had a tremendous second half against uh, both Kansas State as well as Texas Tech. Lovett has really been the, the better guy in the front end of the game, even though he did get banged up against Oklahoma State. I think he's a little bit better than questionable to play Thursday night. Baylor uh, staff is hoping he will play. Uh, but as long as they have two of those guys, they feel pretty good about that. And they have a couple of freshmen as well behind them that are itching to go. And at receiver, I think most West Virginia fans are, are pretty darn familiar with Denzel Mims at this point. But then Tyquan Thornton. Now, I, mm-hmm. I, I admittedly did not watch much of the early Baylor games, but have been keeping up since Big 12 play started. And in those four games, uh, I can't do all the math this quickly, but 21 catches and over 400 yards in four games uh, and averaging 20-some yards per catch. Is he what's, Are these short passes that he's going crazy? Is he a deep threat? What, what kind of weapon is that? He, he is um, in a team full of track stars, legitimate Big 12 track stars. He might be the fastest Baylor Bear. And it's a close race between him, Chris Platt, and Josh Fleeks, who happen to be three of the other receivers on the team. So Baylor has no lack for speed when it comes on the outside. Tyquan Thornton is excellent on double moves. He destroyed uh, Kansas State with some double moves to get some long touchdowns. Most recently, they've been using him with crossing routes both short, shallow crossing routes, and deep crossing routes. And he is exceptional at just catching that and turning up. He gets vertical faster than anybody I've seen with the football. He is skinny, but he is incredibly fast. Uh, He exploded for a 60- or 70-yard gain against Oklahoma State just on a little shallow crossing route. Uh, Oklahoma State had the angles on him like four or five defenders did, and he just outran every single one of them. Uh, He's incredibly talented receiver and actually might be more talented than Denzel Mims and probably has a higher upside than him right now. All right. And to kind of finish things off here, I think we both have Baylor winning this game, Um, Mm -hmm. but what is it? What kind of scenario, what scenario do you see where West Virginia might have a shot? What do they have to do to have a shot to win this game? I think there's two areas of concern as a a Baylor fan or Baylor insider. Number one, Baylor has been pretty poor when it's coming out of bye weeks. Now, this isn't a traditional bye week with a full two weeks off. Uh, Last year, the Bears' bye week fell going into Morgantown, and I think West Virginia fans have very positive memories of that game. It was a bloodletting. I mean, Charlie Brewer was awful. He threw three interceptions in that game, and it was over a quarter and a half in. Um, Baylor has also been getting a lot of publicity and backpats this week. How does Baylor handle that success? How do they handle um, 
handle all of the pop publicity that quite honestly over the last two years it hasn't been good publicity it's been bad and does Baylor go into the game expecting to win because I I, I fully expect West Virginia to come out if they come out fast and Baylor comes in expecting to win West Virginia can pull this upset uh, Baylor has to make sure they're doing the things that they did against Kansas State. They're doing the things they did against Oklahoma State in the second half. Baylor offensively has gotten off to some slow starts this year. If they do that and West Virginia jumps on it, forces a couple of turnovers, uh, gets into the end zone, uh, makes a couple of big plays, gets out to a lead, that could make a very nervous uh, Halloween crowd in Waco. All right, Tim, I really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, Thanks a lot. And you guys got a lot of good stuff coming out on your site. Why don't you tell our fans where they can find all of that information? Yeah, check us out at bearsillustrated.com, proud member and sister site uh, on the 247 Sports Network. Um, Got a lot of stuff. Got a a depth chart review coming tomorrow. Uh, Also some quotes from the press conference today, insider notes as well. So if you are a VIP member for uh, the West Virginia site, should be able to read all the stuff and get the inside and intel on the bears as well. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim, and enjoy yourself at Waco. Uh, make sure you share a, a photo of what you're wearing outside of the press box uh, on Halloween night <laughs> for us all. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank you, sir. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.